The Healing the City podcast is a ministry of the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you enjoy the Healing the City podcast and wish to support it financially, you can go to villagersonline.com, click the We Give tab, and follow the instructions. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Healing the City podcast. My name is Eric Seepin, and we are back in the podcast studio with just me and Michael Kuzno because poor Mark is in quarantine because he's about to have a baby, which is not the poor part. It's just that I heard his whole family is sick. Like, and so he's doing lots of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just you and me. Cool. Here we are. Um, the pastors two, the pastors two, and so the pastors three, uh, and we're just going to talk a little bit today about uh, Foster's celebration of disciplines, which the leadership is doing as a community for I don't know, I guess the next nine months or something like mm-hmm. that. And book study, book study, yeah, definitely a book study. So we've covered how many chapters now? Three? Are we up to three? We chapters? have done three chapters. Yes. Yes. Um, the last two we covered were uh, meditation, meditation and prayer and prayer. And the first chapter is an introduction to the book as a whole and some kind of general theology of spiritual discipline. So when I started college ministry in 1996, I mean, I started college ministry before that as a back when student. I was listening to ska music, back when you were listening to ska music, which we may have just some interludes of you telling us why ska is important. Um, but while we're doing this, I took my whole college ministry through Foster Disciplines. So every, I don't know, Saturday evening, that's what we taught on was one of the chapters um, to like 30 college students. And then we would practice that that week in whatever group we were meeting in. So that was fun. That was exciting. I, I like that. That's when I really got into fasting in particular. Um, I hadn't really done that as a practice growing up in mostly low church which doesn't, you know, doesn't practice fasting, it seems, at least my experience of low church. You know, the you're, when I say low church, I mean the non-denominational Bible-centric church. that Non-liturgical. Non-liturgical churches. Well, yes. all church have a liturgy. Their liturgy is yeah. relatively simple. <laughs> we could get very philosophical about this, but yeah. Yes. But yeah. what I mean is it doesn't necessarily follow a script. It doesn't yeah. have a hymn book necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's not like a formula to every single service you know, working through a calendar that you know ahead of time. And usually there are printed words on a page or in some kind of book that you read out right. together. Lots of, lots of written prayers. Exactly. Like yeah. So I, I didn't grow up on one of those churches for the most part either. The church that I grew up in um, had transitioned from a very liturgical high church Presbyterian um, church into a very low church, non-denominational, seeker-sensitive on the will creek model of church okay um so. just before i was really in conscious awareness of the world right yeah okay, okay. and so i we are coming from a very similar background in some ways but i have over time seen um possibly because of foster his fault <laughs> to um that there has been sometimes really intense practices of fasting yes um so so just not to well, let me just interrupt for a sec so yeah when it comes to the fasting, Bill Bright from Campus Crusade 
is probably one of the stronger influences in the lower church community when it comes to fasting because he would do his 40-day fasts. Hmm. Um, and fasting was big when I was in Campus Crusade. Again, affiliated with Campus Crusade. I wasn't actually in it. Right. Um, our college ministry did a lot with Campus Crusade. So, Right. So we could talk about maybe fasting even more intensely another time, but that is one of the things that uh, hit the Protestant Christian world in the United States um, really hard because of Bill Bright and because of Richard Foster and maybe some other influences that we're not even aware of. Yeah. Um, And people doing some really intense 40 day fasts. Like that's some intensity right there. Um, But we're going to talk maybe today a little more about what we learned from Foster in the first three chapters slash Second, uh, second half, second two thirds of the first three chapters. Yeah, and and also just maybe consider this a little promo. If you've never read the book, um, you should you should go get it. We'll put a link to the Amazon right part, and you can you can buy it. Yeah, it's 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 worth reading, and it's also worth getting the newest edition if you haven't read it in a while. Not that the old editions are bad, but. The newest edition, he has a, f- a, a little intro stuff. There's a there's a new essay that he writes about um, dealing with technology, and and how much he had underestimated just how things how bad things would get with all the digital distractions that we have. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's worth when reading. When did he When did he actually write this book? In the seventies. Seventies, yeah. So and even, and even in there, he talks about the distractions of technology. So exactly, and he thought it was bad then. <laughs> He had no idea. And that's what basically what he says. That's what he says. It's like he thought it, things were crazy then and he mm. had no idea how bad things were going to get. Gosh. Wow. What have we done? <laughs> exactly. Okay. So part of, I think, what we have a hard time doing because of this digitally distracted world, a very image-oriented world where we, we see concrete um, Concrete images, I mean, concrete's a weird word to use there because they're often mediated on screens, right? They're 2D visual images that appear 3D to us. But they're so good at mimicking the 3D experience for us as humans that we really can get cognitively locked into even a small screen that we carry around with us all the time. Right. So we're not used to engaging our imaginations is one of the things that I've been realizing as we look at his suggested practices for meditation and prayer. And so I'm, the key theme I'm seeing as we as leadership in this church look at this, the things that have amazed the leaders the most, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, is the engagement of our imaginations in order to meditate, hear from God, and pray, ask God for things. Yeah. No, I think... I think the engagement of imagination is probably the forefront, I guess, of ministry is teaching people to have imagination or reigniting imagination. Right, right. But I mean, ministry is a big word. I'm, I'm, I, I, I mean, it's not, it's not, not ministry to say that in a weird way. But, uh, but it's even just this really personal, you know, possibly even individual, yeah, yeah, or, or secret even. Mm-hmm engagement with, with Jesus, with God, um, and how that can come alive through the use of imagination in a way that uh, many of us have just 
not considered before. Yeah. Which is what I meant yeah. as a forefront of ministry. Yeah. Is to oh, have okay. people have a private imagination, like to, to develop that mm-hmm. as, as a discipline. Right. Yes. And a discipline. Good. Good word. <laughs> right. So just a little bit on that. I mean, just to cover chapter one, but sure. I mean, basically chapter one is uh, a discipline is a good habit of placing yourself before God for him to change you. I mean, that's kind of like the general definition of a discipline. Right. Is a good habit that somehow puts you in engagement with God. I like that. Yeah. And so one of the ways that the church throughout history has done this is through prayer. Right. And it's like almost so obvious. Even people who don't think about what spiritual disciplines are whatsoever know praying is something that you do as a Christian, right? Right. That's that's something that you do. That's a discipline. Um, And they might not think of it in terms of what a discipline is or even what a habit is. They just know that it's something that we do as Christians. We pray. Right. Which is great. It's good. Um, a little bit weirder, I think for us as Christians is to think about Christians meditating. Yes. Because it conjures up a lot of images for people of what meditation might be. It is. And usually it's some guy with crossed legs and palms up and strange stars floating. Yeah. Floating. Yes. And maybe he's levitating off the ground and traveling the astral plane and, you know, exactly. Achieving Nirvana or something like that. Yeah. 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 That's what we think about when we meditate. Right. Now, I think probably in more modern times, sometimes maybe people will think of what is now called mindfulness or something like yes. that. And there are some similarities. Right. There are some similarities, but I, I think the probably the nutshell version for me that helped most from Foster is that he says that these other forms of meditation kind of Eastern influenced or maybe other aspects of Western influence of meditation are all about emptying oneself. Right. Um, They're about clearing your mind. And you hear that even just in pop culture and martial arts movies or, you know, the the guy has to to get focused for his life journey or his fight or to reach. He's got to empty his mind. He has to learn this process of Mm -hmm. very, very Eastern. Right. So there is a phase of emptying oneself or focusing or centering oneself in Christian meditation, but that is only a means to an end. It's only a, the first step of a process of which the focus is even more important about putting your focus on God. So being anticipating being filled with the spirit of God. And that's right. the point. So, so let's, let's talk maybe a little bit practical and a little bit theological. Yes. You can help us out here. Okay. So number one, um, how as a follower of Jesus would I go about just beginning to empty my mind to prepare for this process? So you can try to find some quiet. All right. So (laughs) point one, seek quiet. Yes. Good. So no, no technology, no distracting noises or less. Or less. Yeah, we'll, less. We'll even go, we'll go, we'll take the no off and we'll just put less. Exactly. I mean, no is great, but we're talking about trying to, to practice these things in our daily life as it is, not trying to think that you have to go out, you know, into some wilderness place in Montana right, in right, order right. to achieve this. So maybe the title of this pod, 
cast will be. No is great, but less is okay. Less is <laughs> less is more. Yeah, less is more. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So, to the extent that you can achieve quiet in your in your actual world that right. you that you live in, you know, maybe it's a particular room in your house, maybe it's a particular place that you can go to that doesn't take you too much difficulty to get to, and find a place that's quiet and. Oftentimes places that are quiet are places that no one else is. So it's a, it's a, there's an amount of solitude that can be helpful in this. Right. Um, and then uh, yes, removing distractions. Right. So, so even if things are um, like auditorily quiet, you may right. also want to remove yourself from visual or, uh, or tactile distractions. Right. If you know that those are things that are going to distract you immediately. Right. Um, and then, so, so being in a, in a place of, um, a certain amount of physical comfort is good, but not too much. So you might want to sit in a comfy chair, um, in an ordinary seating position that's right. comfortable for right. you. Now with a blanket all snuggled up. But you also, <laughs> right. You also don't want to have it be like too warm or too snuggly to the point where you're falling asleep. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's some practicality that you might want to think through, but you know, don't beat yourself up or open up over this like we're we're learning what works okay so as you start if you fall asleep fine (laughs) you know that's okay right um and it's not it's not even bad for you right right good for you hey you got a little rest yeah you try to approach god and he put you to sleep and he put you and you got some rest (laughs) so that's good it's not a bad right so don't beat yourself up over this if you're not achieving you know what you think i don't know ideally you would but this, these are things that you can start to attempt. Okay. So that's that's step number one. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about a little bit theologically. Because you said something, and that was to be participate the filling of the Holy Spirit. Yes. But I already have the Holy Spirit. So what do you mean? Right. Yeah. And, and it gets tricky to say true things theologically here. Yes. Without contradicting and tripping over yourself. Yes, it is. Yeah. So it's to... Become aware of God and what he is telling you, calling to you, what he wants you to know in the moment, and allowing, kind of like turning over your will, your choice, to him. Yeah. I like that. That's okay. good. That's yeah. good. I think I managed to say all true things without contradicting myself. <laughs> no, I think it's it's good because sometimes uh, we can get lost in the like, oh, come fill me, fill me up spirit, and not really get into the meat of what you just said of mm-hmm. what actually is the anticipation of for less, for just for fill, being filled with the spirit. Right. Yeah. But we do use that language. We do use the language. Of being filled with the Spirit. And there's a lot that's really good about that. And we're talking about engaging the imagination. Yes. So part of what can be helpful is literally thinking of yourself. Being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit. And And using like. There's um, no problem with that. Right. And thinking about, you know, water filling like you as a vessel, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, a cup or, you know, a bowl or something and being filled with the water of the Spirit. Like. That is a really helpful visual imagery to engage God. Yeah. So I, I think one of the things that for me, when I think about meditation and or any time of like 
a discipline. So making myself available for the transformation from God. It's that I know wherever I go and whatever I do that I have been bought and marked and adopted. So I belong. Um, and the spirit is a marking of that. But unless I stop and make myself available, I think of it as there's a veil in a sense that's between me and God, between the eternal and, and the, the, the space of God and me. And when I stop, I begin that, that and allow the spirit to speak li or listen to what the spirit, I'm not allowing, he's doing what he wants to do, I suppose. Um, that veil thins. So I'm, I'm actually beginning to taste the kingdom of God. I imagine like seeing images. I, I take a lot of it from Tolkien and the unseen world, but there is this opportunity for me to stand in the unseen world and realize like actually realize what's a reality already and, and begin to, to really meditate on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, once again, engaging your imagination. So, so yes, one thing you can think of doing is opening your eyes. Yes. That's a, that's a good one. Good yeah. One. So you can think about yourself as having your eyes closed, put that idea in your imagination, visualize yourself as eyes closed, and then visualize yourself opening your eyes. Yeah. That's good. To see what God is already doing all around you. Yeah. And in you. Yes. And having that active imagination in, in some very real sense does that, like yes. it just does it. It's not that you, it's not that you're just imagining it. Right. And, and I think when, just to go to this imagination thing, one thing that I have experienced as a 50 year old and as a Gen Xer is that my peers and then my parents and older don't struggle as much with imagination as my younger siblings, basically and the younger people under me. Um, and some of those, I, we just didn't grow up with as much digital. So we were forced to, to think, um, about things or imagine, you know, I would spend all day without any kind of digital well, weeks and weeks because <laughs> right. I didn't have a TV. So even that was, I was just left to my own devices. So one way we can help ourselves, which I have noticed Sue, our fellow pastor, Eric's wife, Sue Seepin, has been helping people engage their bodies in this process of right. imagination. So you're doing physical actions at the same time as you're trying to engage your visu right. visual, uh, visual imagination. So you are doing different things with your hands, I think, is a really good place to start because the degree of difficulty here is pretty low. Right. With your hands. Like you don't have to get into weird yoga poses, for example. Right? right. You just sit in the chair with your feet on the ground and you move your hands in different ways. So Foster suggests putting your hands down with your palms open um, as you're trying to release things that you're anxious about, racing thoughts, um, your worries, your burdens, your sins, all of those kinds of things. Put your hands down mm. with your palms facing down to the floor. And what I've noticed, Sue extending upon this is thinking about your hands as clenched fists, right? which I think is better. Um, you know, Foster's good, but Sue is better here, yeah. I think. Oh, that means we got a new title. Yeah. Foster's good, Sue is better. Nice. <laughs> it's like Paul and a, and <laughs> Paulus. <laughs> so, um, and the reason why is because we have a tendency to hold on to thoughts. Um, 
our worries, mm-hmm. our burdens, our sins. And so you can clench your fists and imagine yourself holding on to those things. So, so the fact that you're clenching your fists gives you the tactile feedback and it, you can even look down and see your fists and then you can engage, start to give yourself little baby steps of engaging your visual imagination while using your physical body. And then you can open your palms from clenched fist, imagining yourself dropping those things yeah. out of your hands. Um, and, and you can take the, the imagination from there. You know, Jesus is there to catch them as they fall or right. he's there to witness you dropping them at his feet. Right. Now, there's a lot of different things that you can do with that that would be really helpful to imagining this emptying of yourself uh, before Jesus. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is very cool, and I'm glad that Sue has been showing us these different things that you can do. Yeah, so you should, uh, well, A, if you're in a pilgrim group and you got a leader in there somewhere who's on a leadership team, you say, hey, why don't we do some of those foster things in this group? Yeah. If you're interested in learning some meditation or something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, so what was the second chapter, our third chapter? We have prayer and meditation. Oh yeah, we did both of them. Look at that. Well, the prayer part, we, um, we haven't actually got to, but did, it's... You did mention prayer. But yeah, yes, I did, you yeah. Didn't, we didn't really extend into conversation on it. I mean, the other part, just to close up on the meditation, is is once you've done that, you turn your palms facing upward. Oh, right. And it's a posture of receiving from God. So that's when, and so everything is actually leading up to the receiving. If you want to, and you only have a short amount of time, you can just jump to receiving posture with your palms up. It's not like you have to go through this step-by-step process because as Foster says, that's the goal is to receive from God with meditation. There's an emptying process that's helpful to do beforehand because like your mind is just full of all these racing thoughts. So it's useful to find that quiet, find that silence in order to hear God. But you can just start by placing your palms up if you want to, or after going through a process of relaxing, finding some quiet, unburdening yourself, then place your palms up. And what you're hoping to do there is see what God is doing around you and in you hear what God has already been speaking to you, but you haven't been able to hear because you've been, you know, too focused on other things and just wait for the spirit of God to fill you, so to speak. And sometimes you won't hear anything, but sometimes you might. And that's, that's what we're trying to, to get to is, um, noticing the ways that God is leading us by practicing this. Yeah. No, I think it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then prayer is another phase, which we can maybe talk about a long, another time. Cause maybe we're running. Long. Yeah. We do have to run into another meeting here. Got soon. it. But, uh, yeah, that was good. I think people got a good introduction to Foster's celebration of disciplines. If you haven't read it, you should. It's a good book to walk through. Um, and Yeah. I think now people can practice this simple meditation. Nice. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, um, I would say if you got questions, email them to healingthecity at gmail.com. But here's the funny thing. I don't know the password. (laughs) 
Um, so <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead and email them, and we'll work on we're figuring out the password. password. <laughs> it just might take. We might not respond to you I immediately. Switched, I've switched phones, and yeah. Anyway, <laughs> alrighty. Thanks, guys.